Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the EFT Healing Center Online Radio Network. Tap into your fullest potential, starring the founder of the EFT Healing Center, Annabelle Fisher. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton. Hey, Annabelle, how are you doing today? Hello, Scott. I am very well, thank you. And uh, I enjoyed uh, spending a little bit of time with you on uh, a few days ago uh, when you and I were doing some videoing. That was a lot of fun. That's right. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to... Uh, have that all done so we can share it with our listeners. Some really amazing information and some uh, some tapping to actually you can actually see rather than than hearing, and it's always uh, wonderful. And the other thing that we did that I just think was amazing is we took a first-time client and uh, did a session that was incredibly powerful and in a very short period of time. And uh, I know everyone will be excited to see that when we have it ready. Yes, uh, she responded really well to the EFT, and, and I know she got really great results. So that that was a fantastic uh, thing to be part of and to observe as well. Yeah. So today we want to revisit a very important topic, and uh, and that's the topic of boundaries. And one of the problems with uh, people as they're you know anyone when they're learning new skills, we have a, a tendency to either think we're you know we're not progressing very fast or or I've got this all figured out and uh, they're kind of both dangerous positions because the people that feel like they haven't figured it out uh, you know they get down on themselves when they really shouldn't because there's always a process of learning and those people that think they've got it figured out right away tend to um, act as though they have a hammer only as in their toolbox and use it to solve every problem and that's something that we've noticed with boundaries because people will say, I'm just setting solid boundaries here. And actually what they're doing is building a wall. And the, the boundaries, the purpose of the boundary is not to create separation. And, and when I say wall, I see this big thick brick wall, red brick wall, right, that goes up like 35 feet. And, uh, and you can never get through and so you can never connect. And that's not what we're talking about when we talk about boundaries. And and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more today about the distinctions between walls and boundaries and why oftentimes we have a hard time setting those boundaries and, and what to do to make sure that when we're setting boundaries, we're not really creating huge walls, which, of course, just cause uh, more problems for us in our lives. That's right. I mean, setting a wall is a short-term gain for long-term pain uh, because it serves no one and ultimately leaves, leads to more uh, discomfort physically and emotionally. And it's my belief that walls are built up uh, rather than clear but healthy boundaries uh, because somebody's coming from a, a position of hurt. They've been deeply wounded um, and they need to protect themselves as quickly as possible and as um, safely as possible, but also to feel as though they've done it in a really strong and concrete way. So what better way than to literally build that metaphorical wall because then no one can hurt them. Uh, so for example, uh, somebody who's had perhaps a, um, a stressful relationship and separate um, often makes that conscious vow uh, in their mind of I'll never go through that again so I won't allow myself to be whoever they were during that relationship 
so they build up a, uh, an immediate wall and completely change their, their persona and their behavior patterns and, and uh, swing into the polarity. And that's just a way of protecting themselves. That wall is there in place because they do not want to be hurt again. Yeah, that's right. So how, how can we set up healthy boundaries that aren't walls? Well, I think probably the first stage, Scott, is to be really conscious and aware of uh, why we may be being triggered um, in the first place by another person or an event uh, and uh, what, what's going on for us internally uh, that that is uh, facilitating the need for, well, possibly a wall or more consciously uh, and mindfully a clear boundary. Um, and to, to understand uh, perhaps the reasons why we may respond in that way. Because as, al as always, it goes back to childhood. Um, and uh, if we think about building a wall, that's, uh, that's very draining. So, for example, to, to go back to my, exa uh, my example I just gave, that conscious decision to behave in an entirely different person. I will not be that person I was because I, I refuse to be hurt again. Uh, so that, that's, quite, that's quite draining to, to consciously change who we are overnight to avoid being hurt uh, when uh, the person that we were was quite probably or possibly the, the authentic self. So the, that conscious choice can be very, very draining. Or the avoidance. So for example, I, I'm not calling that person. Uh, they hurt me. Or um, I'm not speaking to this person because uh, they hurt me. And again, these are very draining uh, behaviors uh, that take place. Um, and so therefore, the, these are the walls. I mean, it takes time to clamber over a wall and a lot of energy. So to go back to the childhood and establish why, why may I be responding in this way? Uh, why is it essential for me to be uh, building a wall uh, and feel feel or before that feel compromised as though somebody's uh, pushing my boundaries. I mean, a lot, I hear a lot from my clients of um, they, they overstepped the mark, they pushed my boundaries. Uh, so if we think about uh, uh, responses in childhood, often behavior patterns were created uh, to keep us safe. And they worked really, really well um, in childhood. Uh, the problem is, though, when uh, these behavior patterns um, continue into adulthood, uh, so they become unconscious patterns, and, the, and we are living our lives by them, um, and kind of going back into the childhood wound all the time. Um, and it's, uh, it's almost like it becomes a default mechanism to respond in the way we would have done in childhood, because it worked when we were a child, but it's not working so well uh, now that we're adults and socializing on a wider scale with, with adults. Uh, so let's just look at... It's kind of like I, was just, I just had this image of the little three or four year old boy in the grocery store that wants the chocolate bars that mommy said no and he's yelling at the top of his voice and he's banging his feet and he's laying on the ground and he's just howling and uh, you know and then mommy gives him the chocolate bar just to keep, get him quiet and then you know he's 35 years old and he's using a 
35-year-old's version of that in order to get his way <laughs> with his girlfriend or his wife or, or, or his boss or whatever, right? And everyone's sort of looking at him like, this guy has uh, got a problem, right? Well, that's right. Uh, I mean, many of us uh, do uh, use those childhood behaviors as adults, and he may not be throwing himself on the floor in a tantrum in front of his boss, but that wound is still coming out, um, and he may be going into self-talk like, this isn't fair, Uh, typical, I'm not being listened to, Uh, people like me are never heard, Uh, I feel downtrodden, those kind of responses, uh, because he's gone back to his childhood and, uh, and he's expecting results through behaving in that way. So in certain respects, he subconsciously believes that he is creating a boundary. If I respond in this way, then I'll get what I want. Uh, so another, another really energy-draining behavior that uh, many adults uh, 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 many adults uh, default to is uh, that kind of people pleasing or placating response to people uh, so I, I really don't feel uh, right saying no to this so automatically I'll say yes um, I really don't want to go out on Saturday night uh, to uh, so and so's party or I really don't want to attend that meeting in another state or whatever it is uh, but I feel I have to because they're asking me and it would seem rude if I didn't or ungrateful or I'm afraid of their response I'm afraid they won't love me anymore if I say no Um, so that that people pleasing behavior uh, is something I notice very uh, is uh, very common with my clients certainly with who I used to be and I believe was certainly a trigger to me uh, becoming very seriously ill Uh, It it takes a lot of energy to constantly be pleasing them rather than considering our needs and making ourselves a priority as much as them. And of course, something else that's very energy draining is placating. So for if we go back to childhood, if a child had a, a parent or perhaps both parents or even a sibling that was Um, very demonstrative and loud and perhaps quite volatile and unpredictable, uh, they could have easily defaulted into a placating behavior pattern of smoothing things over, not ruffling the other person's feathers, making it all uh, life smooth and easy, or else. So in other words, or else the other person could explode or be unpredictable or say something unkind or possibly be physically abusive. So again, uh, behaving in a certain way to avoid um, being drawn into it themselves or uh, mentally or physically abused. Uh, So responding in a quiet uh, way, um, trying to calm the situation down. Again, another way a child may have have set a boundary ultimately to protect herself. Um, Something else that I find fascinating is the way that... um, Uh, as adults and of course as children uh, often people may blame others so oh it wasn't me who did that it was my co-worker or it wasn't me who did that Uh, it was my sister Um, 
that kind of thing where we put the responsibility onto the other person for whatever reason. That might be because if we accept the responsibility, uh, we'll be looked upon unfavorably or it'll be embarrassing or whatever the situation is. But it's avoiding taking on the responsibility and pushing it onto somebody else. And that, again, is a way subconsciously of setting a boundary, but, of course, ultimately is a whopping great wall because the person that you're blaming is not going to be uh, very happy about that, and it can cause resistance and resentment and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking when you were talking about the, the way that we react and and becoming a people pleaser, that's something that uh, I've definitely had to deal with as well in my life. And, and I think when we look at people in our lives and we say, you know, wh you know, why do they behave this way? It all stems from a lot of these uh, boundary issues where uh, their parents treated them a certain way, whether it was uh, nicely or, or not so nicely, and they've learned to kind of cope in that way. And as we've grown up, We'd have a, we have a real tough time changing the way that we, we deal with things because, we, you know, as adults, we should just be able to uh, communicate in a relatively um, adult manner. But most of the time what happens is very, uh, very immature manners. Absolutely, because um, ultimately if someone, an adult or a child of course, but let's use the example of an adult, is hurting, they're going to go back to the original wound. They're going to be triggered and reminded of events in the past. So a co-worker or a friend or a sibling or a lover can say something that takes us right back to the wound um, and reminds us of what it was like as a child. And so we go back into that and respond in the same way, but of course through, through the adult uh, persona. Uh, so thinking of people-pleasing, I mean, there's all number of situations a child might be in where she realizes it's safer for her to be uh, the one who agrees to everything. So um, again, if, if they have a volatile parent or sibling, then it's easier to just make them happy uh, because then at least the, the, the person feels safe. Um, or uh, thinking of people pleasing, uh, there could be some kind of sibling rivalry going on. Uh, so in the case of one of my old clients, she very much believed that her sister was favored over her. Uh, so she did whatever she could as a child, and then which then developed into adulthood as well, to be noticed by her parents by being the good little girl and doing whatever she was told and uh, being uh, quiet and good and kind uh, in the family and so forth. So in other words, to be noticed, she, be, uh, she pleased her parents. Um, and then, uh, so all these kind of behaviors then uh, develop further into adulthood, but then they're, not, they're just responses. They're not healthy ways of behaving. Right, right. And there's, uh, there's kind of like three behaviors that, that we've talked about over the, over the past little while that I think if we look at how a child reacts and, and behaves in these ways, then we look at, we can see the adult version of them. And that's like avoiding and rationalizing and blaming, right? Like I could just picture how, you know, a little 
as a little boy, you know, if I, if I did something and, uh-oh, you know, I'm going to be in trouble and then I'm out into the backyard hiding behind the tree or that sort of thing or I'm or I'm rationalizing, well, you know, my sister did this, so blah, 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 or I'm blaming and it's, you know, it's not my fault. Uh, he made me do it, right? And as we get older, you know, I can see the same behaviors but far subtler, Right, like oh, oh yes, didn't yes. hear the phone, and uh, uh, you know we we rationalize, or it's not my fault, you know, my neighbor, uh, if he'd have just done this, he wouldn't have had that problem. So exactly, yeah. So I mean, the strategies that uh, worked seemingly in childhood, uh, we're still playing those out, and in and at a certain level, they are working now because we. We, they're enabling us to build that wall and therefore we're remaining protected, we're feeling safer uh, because we're not being uh, brought into a situation that could be uh, potentially threatening to us. Um, however, uh, as adults, it's simply not serving us um, and they're, not, they're not, no longer useful in the way that they were in childhood. So uh, the other part of this, of course, is, you know, how can we know when we're setting up, we're building up a wall or when we're setting uh, good boundaries? Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. I mean, a lot of this, um, just as learning any new skill, uh, does take time and it, it takes focus as well. I mean, nobody w wakes up, uh, goes from one day to another and wakes up thing, uh, knowing how to set healthy boundaries and doing so effectively for the rest of their lives. It just doesn't work like that. Uh, I mean, this is something that I've worked on with myself um, over the past year now. This has become uh, my main maxim. Um, and uh, so I am more and more aware of it every day. Um, I'm aware of it uh, during um, a, a period where I feel as though I'm allowing someone to cross a boundary. And I'm uh, very conscious of it. If, I, if the boundary has been crossed, I'm conscious of it afterwards as well. And rather than berating myself, um, I'm mindful of it. Like, wow, that was interesting how I allowed that to play out. Um, so next time I will, and then I create a strategy in my mind. Now, it may not involve the same person the next time, but I'll know if I'm go moving into that uh, potentially the next time. Um, ah, this, that reminds me of when that happened a few weeks ago, and I'll do something to shift w where I'm going or what I'm going to say, and I'll be able to set the boundary in a healthy way. And I think uh, the most wonderful way to know if we're, build, we're feeling compromised and we're about to build a wall is to listen to the body. And what are the messages that the body is sending us? Um, I mean, I talk a lot about that uh, when I work with clients that are chronically ill. How is your body responding to that thought? What's going on for you physically right now as we're discussing this? And I think it's the same uh, with, the, with anything and everything, and especially 
uh, around boundaries. What are you feeling at this moment if you're feeling compromised? Uh, what's that like for you? So for me, um, I know when I'm starting to feel compromised, I know when I'm allowing someone to cross my boundary because my solar plexus tightens up and my stomach starts to feel really, really tight and churny. Um, Likewise, I'll often feel short of breath as well. So my body is sending me a very distinct signal to let me know uh, that I'm walking a fine line, so to speak, and I'm allowing someone to cross my boundary. This is not progressing in a very healthy way. And I've learned that over time. So there was a very distinct time um, a few months ago where I was in a, a, during a phone conversation and I could feel my body responding in that way to the, what the other person was saying. And it was only when I hung up that I realized, ah, oh, those were the signals. Now I really am conscious of this and I can be even more mindful of it in the future. Right. That's a, that's a great thing because... Our body doesn't lie. It lets us know exactly what's going on if we're willing to take the time to listen to it. Absolutely. So it'll tell us when it's uh, really excited and uh, this is something that we really want. And I'm sure everyone listening ha knows how their body feels when they're excited or they're feeling listened to or heard, uh, when they're feeling joy and happiness. They know how their body's responding. There's probably a lightness to it, an energy, or any, a, t a positive tingling, any number of things. So likewise, how does your body respond when you're feeling the reverse of those things, when you're feeling compromised and squeezed in and squashed down um, and you're desperate to shout no, but you're, uh, for whatever reason, unable to do that. Uh, so listen to your body and whatever those messages are, that's the learning. So the next time you're in that compromising situation and you're feeling like you're not being heard or whatever's going on, what is your body telling you? And so you see, Scott, the more that this happens, uh, it's like um, toning up a muscle through going to the gym. Uh, the, the, the more aware we'll be of the situation and the quicker that we'll respond to it. So rather than observing after the fact, as I did with that telephone call, like, oh, man, um, I allowed that person to cross my boundary, I now am even more conscious of it uh, if I'm going into it. I start to feel that sensation and I realize this is not right for me so it's time to stop and just momentarily think how do I really want well how do I want this to turn out what do I need here mm. that's a beautiful way to put it Annabelle I think uh, it's essential because if we are mindful of our body's response uh, then it will save us so much uh, anxiety and stress uh, I mean, it's very, very easy to allow our subconscious to jump back into the driving seat and concoct all different kinds of scenarios of what's happening. Uh, so you mentioned earlier about... That would, be, that would be rationalizing, right? Exactly, yes. Like, oh, uh, this is happening and, and that's typical of that person and they're not listening to me. There's some blaming. <laughs> Everything, rationalizing, blaming, it all starts um, uh, going, uh, we start going over it in our mind. Um, and then we can spend time and energy doing this as well. Uh, so, I mean, I've spent days 
uh, in the past, uh, thinking about how poorly I've been treated in a situation or how the other person didn't listen or they were taking over or whatever the situation was. Um, and then, of course, when I came to uh, getting clear and talking it through with the other person, as it transpired, it was very unlikely that any of that was going on for them. That was the last thing they had felt. Yeah, uh, there's nothing worse than being really upset with somebody who is oblivious to your <laughs> anger and upsetness. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, it, I mean, a lot of um, setting boundaries for me is about getting clear. So, for example, if you and I were discussing something and I started to get that uh, response in my body, and I thought, uh, so I immediately honed in on that because I'm learning, being aware that my body could well be sending a message. Just take a moment to listen to that and then calmly take a breath and be able to, with confidence, say, Scott, I'm not really very happy about this or uh, this isn't exactly what I mean or whatever it is that needs to be said so that in that moment you and I can resolve it rather than us finishing the conversation and walking off or hanging out wherever we are and uh, me then thinking, oh, I can't believe it, I wasn't heard, Scott didn't listen to me and so on. So again, going back to those messages, they're crucial because they can avoid all that extra time, which is quite, quite basically an energy drain. Yeah, it's one, one of the reasons why oftentimes people feel uh, tired and drained, particularly at the end of a day of work, because I think work is a really difficult place for people to, uh, to set boundaries and, and to hold to them. And so we've got all this stuff going on, all the stuff that doesn't get resolved, and it just weighs on us like a, like rocks, like physical weight. And then at the end of the day, we're just like, oh. And if we would set these boundaries and we would work within those and resolve as much as we can, it's amazing how light we become. Yes, exactly. I mean, there is that lightness. We're not dragged down. Um, it, it's got to help with our energy levels and our sense of health and well-being. Uh, so with regard to the EFT, once we've, um, we've become aware of the signals, our body's messages, really in tune with that. that, that I mean, our body is our, um, our gauge and our, um, allows us to get a sense of if we're feeling compromised or threatened or unsafe. Um, then the answer with EFT is to then tap on how we're feeling. Uh, so, of course, acknowledging what the person said or what the situation was um, and how that made us feel. Um, and, of course, we could then take it back to childhood um, and the triggers. So oh, uh, when my friend talks to me in that way, it reminds me of when my mother used to shout at me when I was a child. And then I would, um, I would shrink into myself and do whatever I could to placate her and please her. Uh, so, again, it's, it's having that awareness of where this behavior comes from in the first place, treating it with compassion and forgiveness, tapping on those childhood memories, and tapping on the frustration that you're feeling in the moment for needing to create a boundary um, and the challenges around that. Right. So, Annabelle, if somebody wanted to know more about how to set strong, healthy boundaries and... Uh, maybe dealing with the patterns in their lives that are uh, repeating and not, not uh, supporting them in what they want, uh, what should they do? 
Well, this is um, a topic that is hugely important to me, and as a result, Scott, I've invited Monica Milas to come and speak about this very topic, um, energizing yourself with effective boundaries um, at this year's EFT gathering in Vancouver. So if you're interested in this topic or anything else related to the EFT gathering, then please go to www.canadianeftgathering.com. Great. And if you want to just, um, if someone just wants to talk to you and find out more about EFT in general, how could they get a hold of you? Yes, so my personal website is uh, www.theefthealingcenter.com and you can find a lot of resources on there and of course I offer a 30-minute phone consultation to answer any of your EFT questions and concerns. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day, Annabelle. I know you're busy organizing the EFT gathering and also uh, dealing with your, with your clients and teaching other people how to use EFT in their life. And we really appreciate uh, you sharing this valuable information with us.